listening closely hello everyone shut up mella (laughs) (laughs) you didn't do it in mark kind's balls i will not neither did you (laughs) (laughs) i'll say i got pretty close (laughs) welcome back to incentivize attack should i start over sorry no no i don't care okay it's never just normal it's fine they if if they've been listening they know that they know they know run of the mill that's exciting a weekly podcast where four movie fans test the limits of their friendship i'm Lacey here with mella josh and rashawn (laughs) you'll get it you'll get it i got an hour give me me some room (laughs) Before we get started, please take a moment and like, follow, subscribe on whatever platform you are listening on. Leave us a rate and review, especially if you are on Apple Podcasts. It helps us be discovered by new awesome people like you. And if you have the means and feel so inclined to support this little indie podcast, you can buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com WCA. Make our dreams come true. Hey, friends. Hey. How have we been? What have we been watching? I watched the Reese Witherspoon Ashton Kutcher movie. Oh, Lord. Oh, shit. Okay. No, yeah, dead ass. Oh, shit. Was <laughs> it as bad as it? they've made it look? Yeah. Yeah, it's rough. <laughs> it's, like, so crazy because Ashton and Reese are so charming as actors and other things, and even together. But this movie and the writing makes them incredibly dry. Hmm. Mm. How do you do that? Because even, you know, we've talked about movies before where the script kind of sucked, but luckily they had these actors and we still loved it. Not in this. Um, Yeah, it just, the writing wasn't there for me. There For it being a romance and a comedy, there was nothing of the sort. The romance was like five minutes long and the, the jokes were so stale. Like not even a slight chuckle. That's, and it sucks because you're just like, oh, Reese Witherspoon, Ashley Kutcher. This has got to be good. Because right Ashley for- Kutcher especially was like a rom-com guy for a yeah. while. Yeah, like that was his thing. And I just feel like it's not even their faults. Yeah. Like it was just kind of like they both saw like, yeah, we, we'll, we'll do this. Fuck it. But it's just one of those Netflix movies again that you're like, what's happening? So Bummer. thumbs down. Bummer. Bummer, Bummer as fuck. Mm-hmm. Uh, went and saw Mr. Paul Rudd, Ant Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. What is that face, Rashawn? <laughs> you don't want to talk about it? <laughs> <laughs> I personally think Ant Man 1 is one of the better MCU films. I think it's really underrated. I love Paul Rudd as Ant Man. And I. So, you know, I, I've always liked the Ant Men's. This one is perfectly fun. I think a lot of things, it did a lot of things wrong. 
but I think it had was still a lot of fun. I think it was charming because how can a movie starring Paul Rudd and Michelle Pfeiffer not be charming? Don't um, love Michelle Pfeiffer like that. <laughs> what? Just get like four people on the credits to get to Michelle Pfeiffer, <laughs> and I know why you did it. <laughs> no, look, it's called Ant Man and the Wasp. Evangeline Lilly is in five minutes of that movie. The She's wasp, barely in it. The wasp in that? Michelle Pfeiffer. It's Paul Rudd and Michelle Pfeiffer are the Ant-Man and the Wasp in that movie. But, yeah. Thumbs up, thumbs down. I don't know. Go See, see it if you want to see it. Don't see it if you don't. It's one of those. I'm not... At this point, it's, it's Ant-Man 3. It's fun for me. Whatever. I had a good time. It very much like we all walked out of the movie and all of us were like, yeah, okay. That's kind of where the MCU is at now for me personally is like mm-hmm. they're not bad movies by any means, but nothing since Endgame has really like rocked my socks. So, yeah, I mean, like it's a Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. Grab a bucket of popcorn and sit back and enjoy, you know. What about you, Rashan? Anything new? Puss in Boots. Oh, you watched it? It is. Yeah, I'm going to say it. it's incredible. It's really good. So I've heard pretty much across the board. Yeah, I liked the first one. Of course, we all love Shrek. And I was just ready to have a good time. It's really, really good. <laughs> like astronomically good. <laughs> um, It's funny. The animation style is very much inspired by Spider-Verse, um, especially during the action scenes. And it's, it really pops. Um, the voice cast is crazy. Florence Pugh, Olivia Coleman, Salma Hayek comes back. It's it's really, really funny and heartfelt. Well done. This is, what, six or seven movies into this whole entire universe. And I feel like they didn't half step. I, re- I really want to see it. It does some really fun things with the uh, fairy tale characters like like Shrek has always done and I highly recommend. It's one of it's the not the best. It's one of the best uh animated movies to come out from last year. So Wow. Good save. It's really, really good. I finally got around to watching Shit House, Cooper Rafe's uh first film, I believe it was his first. The three of us loved Cha-Cha Real Smooth last year, so I really wanted to check out more of his work. And I was, like, pleasantly surprised. I wish I had seen it first because I feel like Cha-Cha Real Smooth set a really high bar Mm -hmm. just for storytelling, and Shithouse is much more contained, and it's much simpler. It's very sweet. It's very um, sincere and I'm just really excited to see what more he comes up with because he seems like a really honest storyteller, and I really like mm-hmm. that. I had a great time my freshman year. Some people do. Yeah, the same. Some That's people cool. do. I'm a sensitive little peach. I get sad <laughs> a lot. <laughs> and Mel and I drink a lot. So. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> we had alcohol. <laughs> I'm glad you watched it, though. I, I thought... Maybe we had talked about it around the same time last year, but maybe that was just cha-cha. You had recommended it. You told me I should watch it, and it just took me this long to get around to it. It's on Amazon Prime through AMC right now, so if you have an AMC subscription, you can watch it there. Cha-cha seems like a 
really natural progression from that movie. Totally. Um, yeah. All right. Well, today is a very special episode because it is a listener request episode. Woo! Our good friend Sean Lavery reached out to us a long time ago in August uh, with this message. He said, Hi crew, longtime listener, first time suggester. I think y'all should do an episode on the film The Prestige. I think it might be Nolan's best personally, as well as Hugh Jackman's best performance. Sean, I'm so sorry it has taken us so long to get to this episode. I'm really excited to talk about what we're fighting about today, my friends. What are we fighting about? The prestige, baby! Baby! (laughs) Every great magic trick consists of three acts. The first act is called the pledge. The magician shows you something ordinary, but of course, it probably isn't. The second act is called the turn. He's obsessed with discovering your method. The magician makes this ordinary something do something extraordinary. Huh. Now you're looking for the secret, but you won't find it. That's why there's a third act called the prestige. This is the part with the twists and turns, where lives hang in the balance. Julie, come on! And you see something shocking you've never seen before. This was built by a man who can actually do what magicians pretend to do. Prestige is a 2006 mystery drama directed by Christopher Nolan, written by Jonathan Nolan and Christopher Nolan, based on the novel by Christopher Priest. Starring Christian Bale, Hugh Jackman, Sir Michael Caine, Rebecca Hall, Scarlett Johansson, David Bowie, and Andy Serkis. Mm, she's rocked up. <laughs> Slippery, dude. <laughs> the Prestige is the story of two stage magicians in 1890s London who sacrifice everything they know and love to outwit each other and create the perfect illusion. You guys, this movie is so good! Sean, I'm so glad you requested this because The Prestige has been one of my favorite movies for a very long time. And I think it's very strange that this is the second Nolan movie on the podcast (laughs) and both of them have been hosted by me. I didn't realize I was such a Christopher Nolan fan, but here we are. Quite a twist, isn't it? (laughs) Quite a twist. The Prestige, baby. Yeah, I remember seeing this movie probably close to when it came out. And this came out the same year two other movies about magic came out. I don't remember the second, but the first was The Illusionist. And I remember seeing The Illusionist and thinking, it's okay. And then I watched The Prestige and my mind was blown, absolutely blown. I agree with you, Sean. I think this is some of Hugh Jackman's best work. I think this is some of Christian Bale's best work. And I think this... This runs a real tight race with Inception for favorite Nolans for me. Yeah, the prestige is amazing and I'm really excited to talk about it today. I know my husband and where he stands, so let's go with you first. Josh. Yeah, I mean, this in the same way that it is Borden and Fallon in the prestige, this episode could very well just be Lacey and I. Like, I fucking love this movie. We were going to do the old switcheroo that uh, actually I pretend that I was hosting it, but it's actually Lacey, but we did that on Inception already, which just feels like a waste because it would have fit in this movie better. 
But yeah, man, I fucking love this movie. I think Christian Bale's uh, otherworldly good in it. In, like in most things he is in, but especially this. And it's one of the most rewarding rewatch movies that I can think of. Yes. I mean, I think that's Christopher Nolan's, that's his MO. I think he wants to do that because with how much he plays with time and, and timelines and, and story structure, I think that's his intent with a lot of his movies. But this one, I think more than anything, rewards a rewatch and it fucking rules. um all right now for the other household and i'm scared (laughs) but rashawn your letterbox review seemed semi-positive so i want to start with you and leave mella for last cool cool um i forgot that this was a listener's choice and that it was sean we share a few things in common. Actually, just one. Just a name. Um, <laughs> and we like movies, too. Great. A few means three. Man, fuck. A, t- a few is two today. <laughs> uh, it, this is not going to be the the beatdown that Inception was. Because I know I have a, a Nolan thing. I think there's Dunkirk, Masterpiece, The Dark Knight clearly iconic and then it gets a little fuzzy i think for better and for worse this movie plays like a magic trick uh i do agree that christian bale incredible especially with the the ending and the reveal and how it replays um he's just if you've said that you've seen a bad christian bale performance like i'll let you borrow my glasses you're lying (laughs) yeah um uh, so, so that's, there are positives. I, I think that this is a, a, a situation of just a little over convoluted to, to get to a few great twists that I think do work. But, um, I said this in my LB that I think a lot of the goodwill, not solely, but a lot of the goodwill for Nolan films is that he knows how to end a picture, like cut to black. He gave you some sort of really incredible feeling. Um, the Dark Knight, Inception, this, it, he just knows how to like, boom, there's my movie. And I think that can kind of really create a positive feeling. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best to like be nice. I'm going to be petty for a little bit. Because I'm a sensitive Taurus, and I don't give a fuck. I think I know. <laughs> but other than that, I'm a I'm a thumb. Okay, it's mostly uh, pointing upwards, though. You gotta say that. Editing Rashawn, play a clip from Thumb Wars. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that is. You know what? That's long-winded, as usual. Long-winded, but well, let's get into. it. The thumb movies are parodies of really famous movies, all done with thumbs. Uh, with thumbs. One time, me and all my friends went to Premiere Video and rented. I think they had three there, and we watched all of them at once. So is this Bride Wars? Thumb Wars? Star Wars? Oh, oh is it Bride Go Wars? Go ahead, please. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Bride Wars. <laughs> if y'all didn't know I was gay, <laughs> you do now. You know now. <laughs> You know what, Rashawn? That is probably the most on page we've been 
in a bit. It's been a while since Twilight, so I'll take it. Mella. So I think I'm going to count this as my first watch because I remember going to the theater not one, but two times and falling asleep. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) When I watched it this time around, the only thing I remembered is the flash of light when he's finally at the stage. And that's like at the hour 30 minute mark. (laughs) (laughs) Like shit's already been happened. So I'm going to say this is my first watch. I... I think I would have liked this movie a while back. Like, I feel like in 2006, I would have been like, dude, this movie, the best. Okay, but you weren't because you fell asleep. <laughs> no, but that was just, you know, I fall asleep. That We we have to remove that from like, if, if it's good or not. That's just like me asleep tired. Um, but I feel like today, it's, I'm not going to say that I don't like it, but I just feel like, I agree with Rashawn where in some parts I was like, oh, well, like that's Christian Bale in a wig, right? And he's like, just watch it. And I'm like, okay, but why is he in a wig? Like I was already two steps ahead of it. And maybe that's part of the magic. But I also was like, is this all going to have like a big reveal at the end? Of course it is. But then I just felt like, why did we see Christian Bale so much? Like there's a lot of little things that I'm like "Uh, nitpicky about. But still, I had a fine time. So I'm going to say thumbs mid. Okay. But the movie's not mid. Um, The movie's not mid. Mid has become very negative. Yes. Like if something is mid, it is it's, it's categorically bad. It's bad. <laughs> yeah. No, no. It's not like mid, mid bad. Mid is bad. But like middle of the road is not. Yeah, okay. we'll say middle. I'm okay. So it's, it's the middle classic. The it's the classic definition of mid. Yes, literally, I'm in the <laughs> it's middle. It's mid classic, dude. <laughs> so, I also am just like, Lacey, is that really you? Because you like this movie. I love this movie. I was like, like halfway. No, like there's what no you mean? way. It's a clown. It's a clown, bitch. She <laughs> stepped into that little fucking <laughs> box. What, what does it seem like she would like? everything everything what do you mean? i mean like when i found out i forgot that you like really loved inception but mm-hmm. also that one i was like what that one's that one's still baffling to that me. one's still baffling that one is a lot more exposition and just like a lot of things happening this one's a little bit more easier to digest but i don't know i just can't imagine being with you at Blockbuster and you being like, hey, you want to watch this? Like, no, I don't. Like, and no, you don't either. Like, it just wouldn't, it just wouldn't happen. I don't think I would have picked this movie out, but like, we had pretty great family movie nights growing up, and this was one of the family movie night choices. And to me, this movie, especially if you don't know what the twist is, when the twist happens... I mean, Nolan made this movie like the three steps of a magician. Mm-hmm. He he really like set this whole thing up like a magic trick for you. And he tell the first thing we see are the top hats and the first thing we hear are are you watching closely? Like it's daring the audience to figure it out ahead of time. And Mela, you did this time. You you caught on to what was happening. Watching it the first time, I had no idea. No clue. I mean, granted, that was back in 2006. 
when I didn't really know who Christian Bale was or Hugh Jackman was. So I wasn't, you know, looking for another Christian Bale on screen. But I, this movie does what I want movies to do. And it, I love that reveal at the end of like, okay, here's all the things. Here's all the reasons that this is the ending. Here's all of the pieces that I, I played out for you and put them all together now so that you get the, the big red bow on top at the end. I love it when directors and writers and movies do that. I love it. I enjoyed it more on a rewatch than I did the first time. It was so good today. (laughs) (laughs) It was so good today. I'm going to tell you this because I didn't know this before this rewatch. And it made the rewatch for me today. Like I had more fun today watching it than I remember watching it before. One of the twins, one of the Christian Bale twins has a hairline scar in his left eyebrow. So if you're paying really close attention, you know which twin is in which scene and who they're interacting with. And so all of those, one, that just made me like sit here drooling over the talent that Christian Bale has because my goodness, he's playing two different people throughout the whole movie. But especially at the end when we get the explanation of, no, I loved Scarlett Johansson. He loved Rebecca Hall. And we're seeing how this storyline of two people taking on one life really comes together. Like I was, it was so good. It was so good. So next time you rewatch it, watch for which twin is on screen. Next time she says, and Rebecca Hall. (laughs) Oh, are you talking to listeners or Mella? Uh, The listeners. The listeners. (laughs) listeners. (laughs) Rebecca Hall clocking whenever it's the, the twin that doesn't love her. I like, I, Oh, that line of mm, not today. Not today. Yeah. She's. This is one of the most well cast movies I've ever seen. Whoa, Scarlett Johansson's right there. She is. <laughs> She's good I in think, this. I think this is her best performance. You got ever? what? Ever? Yeah, because I haven't seen her. So what are you gonna do? You um, won't see her in it. Uh, what? Guys, I think she's. Literally mid in this, and I mean the other mid, like the bad mid. <laughs> New mid. Like at one point, I like chuckled, and I Is looked at Rashawn like, "It's the accent, it's the acting, that it's the scene." The scene that I chuckled in is when Hugh Jackman is telling her, "You have to go pull the wool over his eyes and pretend that you're in love with him," and she's like, "But I have his book," and it just it just seems so like. High school drama, like senior year, we're all gonna do a British accent. It doesn't matter where in the UK, just fucking do one. Like, I mean, it was just, it was bad, you guys. Her, if we're if you're gonna nitpick that, Kane's and Bale's British dialects are totally separate. Jackman is playing an American. Yeah, so that's who, why I'm like, just let her be American. It's fine. But I mean, Kane and and Bale's uh, British are totally separate dialects so like no i don't even i'm my thing is not like where's everyone from gang mine is <laughs> hers is bad i, I actually think it, i thought it was pretty solid i just it's just the most stereotypical of them all yeah i guess so i guess so i also and, think and, and if it's coming from someone who is definitely not british then it yeah i can see how that i think i also it's like was hard to 
I don't know. I'm going to say hard to separate Scarlett Johansson from that role, but it might just be the accent. Look, whether or not you think the performances were good, the casting itself, like, that's a Scarlett Johansson type. You know what I mean? Like, that's, I think the casting was pitch perfect across the board. I mean, yeah. I agree. I just didn't, I just, I don't think she was good, but I mean, I would, I would understand (laughs) if they're like, we need a Scarlett Johansson type, but not Scarlett Johansson. (laughs) Jill! (laughs) I don't know. She just, she wasn't doing it for me in this. And I like her. I like her in a lot of stuff, but this is not one. I think she does the assignment. I don't think she's like, oh my god, her performance is amazing. But I think she does exactly what the part calls for. Yeah. Which is not a lot. There it is. Let's get Petty, Get it out, Rashawn. Get it out. Get Petty. (laughs) (laughs) He's winding up. A couple weeks ago. Pull out my text, Lacey. Pull out my text. (laughs) I don't give a fuck. You call it or not, I don't give a fuck. Are y'all cold in here? Is it a little chilly? Because we got some fridging going on. (laughs) I knew it. I'll say this. I'm going to say verbatim what I said to Lacey to you. If she is fridged. Wait, let him finish. Who? Who? Who are you talking about, Sean? Explain. Both of them. Both. Both. Piper Parabo and Rebecca Hall are both. I don't think Rebecca Hall is fridged at all. Uh -uh. Definitely. If you think Penelope Cruz is fridged, Rebecca Hall is icebox. No, her her death doesn't really forward the plot. Isn't isn't there to forward the plot of the men? Her death is the death of a character that's already been established. What does her death do? So do you take back Penelope Cruz's? Because that's the death of a character. No, so I uh, I think Rebecca Hall is off the table. We can talk about it between Piper Parabo and and Penelope Cruz. Okay, then Rebecca Hall is just his dead wife thing, which is. A whole other conversation. Yeah, Dead Wife is something. I'll concede on that. Piper Parabo is has maybe five lines. If you think Piper Parabo is fridged, then you think uh, Penelope Cruz is for the same reason you said Penelope Cruz isn't. Piper Parabo, we have a whole scene of her saying that she thinks she can do a better slip knot. She was the one that was egging Borden on to change the knot. So she died from her own hubris, the same way that Penelope Cruz died from thinking that she can... Uh, uh, have her cake and eat it too that she can be involved no, in a no, drug no, parade no. <laughs> there's a whole scene of Piper Parable saying let me do it I want to do it I can do it but she's not the one that does it Christian Bale is the one that does it it's his hubris that kills her he's she, the one that ties the knot and, not, and sounds bad but she asked don't know literally she asked for the knot be careful she's, uh, she does not she's fridge dude she's fridge I would say she she's two. fridge I would she's say she is Rebecca's Hall is not I would say she is, but I would also say Penelope Cruz is. No. But my point being that I would argue, and I'll probably lose, but whatever, I think that the counselor has more respect for its female characters than the prestige. I think that all three of them are there in service to the men of the story. So much so that the final moments are talked about how every bit of his life was a sacrifice for the trick for the magic trick i think they are only there to die i don't think they're there only to die i think for the men just like Mm -hmm. in the counselor for Mm -hmm. the men 
the women are a footnote in their life. The difference for me is that everyone in the counselor is on the same level playing field. In The Prestige, Scarlett Johansson is referred as a pretty assistant. That's a perfect distraction. Piper Parabo, if someone can tell me their name, her name right now without even looking, <laughs> oh, it's, I'll give you $5. Um, Coyote it, start, it starts with a J. <laughs> it's and all Julia. That. Julia, yeah. I'll give you $5. I'll take I'm it. Saying, I'm broke. <laughs> <laughs> Buy her a coffee, y'all. <laughs> they, they are written just like Mal in Inception. They are written as a part of the men's progressions and stories. Well, that's the issue we ha- we have with Nolan. I mean, I mean, take Memento, Inception, this, The Dark Knight. Women are killed to forward the plot of men. That is fridging. It, it, if you take Cameron Diaz out of the equation, like obviously Cameron Diaz wins this argument for you. Take her out of the equation, then what's the difference between any of the women in the counselor? For me, frigid, and I, I'm going to give you back the episode, Lacey, but for me, fridging <laughs> is the start of the story. So that's why I'll concede on Rebecca Hall. This woman is killed to further the plot of a man. I think Penelope Cruz dies in the last 10 minutes of the movie by her own choices. I don't, and I don't I, think that's the case with Piper Parable. That's where we diverge, because I don't think it, it has to happen at the beginning. Uh, I think Piper Parable is, but I also think Penelope Cruz is. So, no, I personally think, I think my definition of Frigine would be the character being killed solely to further the plot without that character having their own living breathing full story and life in the movie. Yeah, and then that's that's what it is. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. And that's what it, I, I think Julia has that. It's short-lived, but I think we get everything that we need about her profession, her relationship, her hubris, as Josh brought up. I think we get a full picture of who this person is in the time that she has on screen. And don't even get me started. I think Rebecca Hall is just untouchable. She is so amazing and so talented. And she gives so much life to this part. To so little. I agree she's incredible. I think she's never, she's also in that Christian Bell category, never been bad. Yeah. But I think she's she's doing the heavy lifting for a completely underwritten role. Like her suicide is so... Unearned. So unearned. I, like I cannot, yeah. I can't deal with it. She's incredible, and there, there are few moments where she, you can see her frustration and her pain, dealing with not knowing what's happening between her husband and her brother-in-law. Like you, it's there, but it, that's only on her face. That's not in the writing, and that's not in the story. I can agree with that. I would have loved to see more of it, but I think the knowledge. On a rewatch, which may or may not be fair, but watching it on a rewatch and knowing that this woman is constantly being tennis matched between two men and what that does to your psyche and your soul day in and day out, I I understand. I get it. I It feels like Rebecca Hall's character, Sarah, had stuff that was left on the cutting room floor. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's the case. It could have just been this is how she was written. But it feels like we we lost a scene of hers from in the editing room. I knew mm-hmm. she was going to die. I just knew it. 
but I didn't know why <laughs> or how. I just, uh, I think I was maybe like 45 minutes in. and I, I mean, she does mom. have the, you meet her when she's taking care of her nephew. And right. like she's very, like she might as well have a halo around her head. Yeah. Like she, in a just, movie like this. She was set up for, for death. And I, I was like, okay, maybe it's going to be in one of the tricks. He's finally going to get her to, you know, his assistant and it all goes wrong and he's going to blame himself. But it's just, it's a suicide. I get that she's like amazing. And again, I don't think this is like anything to do with her performance. But like you said, Josh, I feel like there's like literally just one chunk of the story missing or even just one little scene. But like it goes, scene. Yeah. yeah, it goes from her saying like, I can't live like this to a shot of a rope and then she's hanging. Yeah. And, and you're then like, we get like oh, semi-confirmation wait. from exposition from Scarlett Johansson. So, yeah, I mean, I, I wish I wanted more Rebecca Hall. That's I mean, that'll be that's my biggest bugaboo with this movie. We all know that Nolan isn't great with the ladies. OK, we know. Yeah, that's the th- that's the I guess that's the thing. That Nolan writes characters that can be gender neutral, and that just always happen to be men. I don't think he writes characters. I I I think I know. I think he is a fantastic storyteller, but I think what's missing is like there's no room to breathe for any of that. Like the the argument where he's where Christian Bale and Rebecca Hall are having this huge, intense, emotional argument, we're, like, cut in the middle of that, and then we're out of it. And I feel like another, like, just give me, like, a five-minute scene where we don't have to get to the next plot point or we don't have to get to the next twist to just let those characters be characters, let them breathe. And I feel like the plot machinations have to, like, move, 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 so we never get a chance to feel anything from anyone Mm -hmm. i I think the twist creates like a tragic veil over the whole movie but i don't ever feel that while i'm watching the movie it's all after effect because you're like oh wow all this was going on while i was watching the movie but there's never any moments in the movie where i feel that that's that's like why i like it though that that to me is i don't know there's something really exciting about that to me I was just talking about that I love that wrap up at the end of like this is all you just watched and this is all that it meant like here's all of the meaning behind I understand what you're saying and I can agree to an extent that like Nolan writes a story he doesn't write characters he doesn't write people he has a concept and he wants to tell that story And for better or for worse, he just gets really great actors to tell that story for him. <laughs> he gets, I agree. Yeah, he, yeah, he I gets agree. actors that that do it and accomplish, you know, through his directing too, which I think was really great in this film, with all of the sleight of hand. And I mean, go ahead, Josh. I'm no, I just, rambling. you know what it is? Is Scarlett Johansson makes that comment about. You know, Sarah invited me the day before she killed herself. Sarah invited me to come chat with her, and I was too cowardly. I wanted to see that scene. I mm-hmm. wanted to see them meet up mm-hmm. and talk. I wanted to see that. When I heard about it and then got confirmation that it didn't happen, I was like, oh, man. That's, and that's the thing. Like, there's so many. The moment when he, when uh, 
Chris, uh, I'm forgetting their names. Or Hugh Jackman does the Anger. first. Uh, what's it? Angier. The one with Hugh Jackman. <laughs> <laughs> I won't be saying that. It's angrier um, with one R. Angier. It's Angier. Angier. Is it Angier? Yeah. I guess. Yeah, that's how he says it. Angier. Um, the moment when Hugh Jackman is first doing the. The, I'm not saying it. The transporting uh, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's gotten Root as his clone and he falls below the stage and you see this really sad moment. His back is turned but he does a bow to the audience that can't see him because oh. he's the person that constructed this. That is such a phenomenal image and moment. That's so good. And then we cut to him and Michael Caine and they're explaining the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no. What? Don't do that. Just let 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 the visuals of this film tell me what you're trying to say. And I feel like there's so many moments of that where they're like, "He's a liar." Well, he's a magician. He's a thief. Well, he's a magician. And it's well, just do you like, want scenes of people talking or not? <laughs> That's what I was gonna say. <laughs> do you want I do, the characters I, to have more or not? I want them to live and breathe. I don't want them to just be walking exposition. And that's, I said, I had that complaint with Inception and I have it now where they're just, it feels like, especially this movie, someone's just like, they have their hands in front of your face and they're just like, did you see that? That was good. I and got it you. fucking that was. A was. Twist. Yeah. You know, it's it not. You, yeah, know who, it was. you know whose character is like in any story, his character would be the exposition machine. I think by design, like you always have to have one and this is the character that would be. And he knocks it out of the fucking park. Andrew Peanuts at the circus. Boy. I'm done. My guy. My guy. I think that character I think that character in any movie, in any version of the prestige by any director, that character is an exposition machine. Mm-hmm. There's like four of them. Michael Caine. But that's, I, that's just how Nolan writes. We know but this I mean, like, at this point. But I mean, oh, but it's not satisfying. <laughs> but do you understand? What you I mean? like Some, the movie. Someone has to be there to explain <laughs> Tesla's whole thing, and it can't be Tesla because Tesla has to be mysterious and and romantic and whatever. So Ali is there to Ali, and that's what I'm saying. Anybody could have made the Prestige, and in every iteration, I think Ali has the most exposition, and I think Andy Serkis does fucking great with it. No, I was gonna say I think we need we do need one guy. Yeah, we 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 need one guy for but something like to te- catch the, us up. The Tesla art like uh, segment, like all that shit going on. Yeah, you need someone to just like. Yeah, we we need for for me. I just need to know what's well, going on. Well, also for the character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Jack- I think Jir needs to hear about it too. Yeah, I think it's just when it's too much. You know when it's what's it's Andy Circus and it's Michael Caine and it's Scarlett Johansson where it's like let trust us. But I think again, yeah, it's what Lacey said. We know this about Nolan is like he doesn't trust his audience. He's gonna have three or four characters that are like I know you just saw what happened in the scene five seconds ago, but previously on the scene that happened five seconds ago. <laughs> <laughs> he gives us this whole pie. He takes away two pieces. And then he gives us that same pie later and puts the pieces back. And I'm like, I know, I get it. Like I said in Inception, I'm gonna give him his, I'm gonna give him his flowers. He does scope better than anybody. Like the the 
house of this is so good. The dueling magicians, the concept is so great. But I need like, I need a little humor. I need some sex and like sexual tension. It's, it's just like. But that's nothing. the point. That is the point of these two men, though. These two men don't care about anything else. But Scarlett Johansson is put there as that tempting back and forth. Like, there should be something sensual about even that role on a magician's stage. Like, she should be so incredibly sensual. And I'm not trying to sexualize this character. But that's but that's part of the right. illusion. Like, that's mm-hmm. why he hires her is because she she's a pretty, he says it, pretty distraction. You get romance and with her, though, when she first gets hired on. It's like toast with nothing on it. <laughs> mm. But that's how it is for these men. That's what it is for these men. It's a it's a it's a temporary distraction before they get back to work. I just I just want to have fun, and I, I I don't. Sometimes I feel like I just don't have fun with these movies. And here's the thing. Here's the difference between me and you, Sean. What that pie? All I ever got them slice, and when he comes back with two extra slices, shit, two extra slices. Fuck yeah, I'll eat every goddamn slice. Well, I don't like pie. Pie fruit is crazy. <laughs> and that's it. I want to talk about... This is the end. So, it's the... No, that's fine. No, I want to talk about the the end, the, the, the twist. Yeah. Let's talk about it. So, they're brothers. They're twinsies. Mm-hmm. Is it not weird? I think it's very weird. It's weird as fuck. But oh, it's so weird. That's how dedicated they are to being the the ultimate magician. They don't think they can do it alone. So that's it. Like it's that shows how twisted Borden is towards his goal. Like, yeah, sure, my brother can fuck my wife. I don't care. It's all about the act. <laughs> okay. Like actually, though, like yeah, no, like it's happening. It happened. Yeah, it's just like a little, a lot strange. But I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Like, is that like a like? Did the audience, did you watch this the first time and be like, oh shit, it's the brother, that's crazy? Or were you like, what? This is weird. Yeah, that, or all Not what, this above. is weird. I went, whoa, what? Okay. It's one of those. I, I, I mean, it's totally and completely bizarre. It's mm-hmm. totally bizarre. But we are set up through this whole movie to believe that these two men will do anything. To be the best. Mm-hmm. So it's not shocking to me. Right. Yeah. And honestly, it's just like devastatingly sad. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he kind of admits that. I think he he comes to grips with it, whatever, whichever twin survives. And he says, he's like, we, we each lived half of a life. But to us, that was okay. A full life. That was enough. My goodness. Let's talk about the ending, too, with, so one of the brothers dies, mm-hmm. Angier dies, and one of the brothers gets to walk away and have the rest of his life with his daughter. How, like, in a typical story like this, I think we'd see both anti-hero protagonists perish and not get their happy ending so how do we feel about one of them i like it because i think on this rewatch to me it felt the on my first first one or two watches it was like oh yeah they're both bad what the fuck but in this one there is a point where 
Borden kind of talks about it with Fallon and then at the end with Angier and he's like, you wouldn't leave me alone. At some point, Borden is happy to do his his tricks by himself. Like this is, I have my, I have my act that I've done that I didn't steal from you that I'm doing and Angier won't let it go. And granted, Borden did kill his wife. So like, okay, but yeah, this time around, especially because one of one of the Bordens died. It seemed right. It seemed like, okay, yeah, this is correct. One of the twins died. The remaining one who admitted he he was the one that loved Sarah and Jess. He was the one that loved Sarah and Jess, so he is left to take care of his daughter. And he kind of disappears. I like the ending. It felt right this time around. To me, there was something so much darker about Angier's big oh my god reveal like that that was so much darker to me than I remember it being the first time I watched it are you talking about when he shoots himself no I'm talking about how he drowns himself every night oh, oh. yes okay. and then just collects his body that, that final shot where you just see rows and rows of these tanks filled with <laughs> with Hugh Jackmans that have drowned. That's crazy. Like, that, that shows you the psychosis of this man. And I'm not, I don't think either one of them was in the right by any means. But there is a satisfaction in knowing that the twin, the Borden that loved... Rebecca Hall that loved his daughter gets to walk away and try to have some semblance of a life with her. Mm -hmm. There's something really nice about that to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This time around back to the Hugh Jackman thing in the moment where all the people are going up and inspecting it and like checking and pulling on wires and stuff. If you just watch Angie in, in the front and center stage, because it's been a few shows in at this point, the whole time he's just stealing himself. Like he's like, really working himself up because mm -hmm. this angier knows that i'm about to go kill myself his eyes are closed the whole time yeah like really like okay i gotta do this i gotta do this i gotta do this i gotta do like because he know they all every every night that he goes up there he knows okay he like that version of him has to go kill himself and Fucking crazy it's nuts and he probably chose drowning because he believed the lie from cutter from michael kane at the beginning of the movie that the sailor said drowning feels like going home and the the surviving clone the surviving hugh jackman never knows that that's a lie so they keep mm. drowning and i think there's something to be said that that's how mm. his wife died too that's oh yeah i mean that's the mm -hmm. reason he chooses it too yeah i guess um with all that said um christian bale being having a twin brother isn't so weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you bring in clones and Nikola yeah. Tesla. It's just like fucking rows of tanks of yeah. your clone. That's and so I, fucking weird. And I just love, too, that the cut, like from the beginning, it's such a. I love it that Cutter from the beginning is like, no, it's a double. It's a double. Chill out. It's a double. And it's like, we don't know just how correct he is. We think it's just some schlub on the street, but like. I love that, that the whole time Michael Caine is just... As a rewatch, you can pick up, though, on how many times Nolan is trying to tell us he what's tells, happening. He the, tells us so often. 
the little boy, uh, Rebecca Hall's nephew at the beginning when the bird gets killed and goes, what happened oh. to his brother? Mm-hmm. Come on. <laughs> That's but like, a ma- like a magician. The- Rashawn said it derogatory. I'm saying it's a good thing. The whole time he's in your face like this is what's happening. But you can't stop looking at, at the misdirect over here of him playing with the shiny object in this hand. But the whole time he's showing you the trick in his hand. I I mean, I think, I don't think the twin is the prestige. I think the clones yeah. are the Oh, for prestige. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I, I love the ending. I love most of his endings. I just don't love the execution and how we get there. Because... I don't know. I'm always like, okay, that's awesome. Show me that movie. Because I feel like it, it, we took so long to just get there. I don't know. I'm, I'm rambling and I'm negative. I'm sorry. No, but, no. <laughs> um, I just, it's just not satisfying. It's not satisfying. And I like dueling magicians is so ripe for mm-hmm. that. And I, I feel like he goes out of his way to, not distract you because I think that's a great setup, the opening and closing monologue by Michael Caine. But I feel like he goes out of his way to convolute his story instead of just, if he took out, we have a Mizen scene, we have a narration, we have a framing device, and then we have both Hugh Jackman and Christian Bale reading journals. And like, it's just too much stuff in the muck that by the time we get to the twists, twists, plural i'm just like well i'm glad you gave me something because fuck you were just like it's like someone put a bandana around your eyes spun you around and been like why don't you know where you're at you know what i mean like (laughs) that's how i feel at the end of it as opposed to that's how magicians want you to feel no magician like you should be watching the whole time and i feel like the editing of this movie betrays the themes that is so interesting because i completely I completely disagree with this on a rewatch. Rewatching this, I was like, oh, he's just telling us everything throughout the whole movie. We, that's, that's what I hate. Show me. But he if you don't know what's happening, he does. I don't think I don't think she means literally telling you like through dialogue. I no, think- no, no. Like he's showing you. He's showing you the cuts to the like Mel said. The yeah. hats and Christian Bale and makeup and, but like not enough that you can really notice that it's Christian Bale. Like all of those pieces are there if you know to look for them. And the first time through, you're not supposed to. The first time through, you're supposed to get your socks rocked, rocked off. But the second time through, watching it as a wannabe magician, as a wannabe storyteller, you can see that it's all there. Yeah, I think the rewatch, this is my third, I think the rewatch killed it for me. Because the first time I saw this, I was like, that is phenomenal. Congratulations. <laughs> well, now you knew the trick. So you yeah, you were blown away now by the magic the, the first and time. And he says that. He says that's the curse of knowing. Come on! I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> what, do we, what do we think about David Bowie as Tesla? I mean, they're a king. I knew. I was just gonna say it. <laughs> I didn't know it was him. <laughs> you know it was David Bowie. Which <laughs> was like, that's David Bowie, and I'm like, who is? He's like that man. <laughs> I mean, this is the most like 
tame, I guess. Yeah, David like Bowie. Yeah, I just like don't think of David Bowie and like that's not. You know what it is? In that movie, it's not Bowie. It's David Bowie. Right. That's, <laughs> that's David. David. <laughs> But I think it works. I think because there's a mystique around David Bowie, and I think yeah. like, it's that could be as I don't think it was stunt casting. I think that has a negative connotation, but I think that's the closest to stunt casting this movie has. It's like David Bowie is Tesla, right? Because I mean, he doesn't like have a huge entrance or anything. He just walks no. out to the patio, so that's why I wouldn't. I didn't think about it at all. I'm just like, oh yeah, it's just like this. British that's David. Guy. That's Dave. <laughs> That's Dave. <laughs> um, so, I mean, yeah. And then once I knew, I was like, oh, that's cool. I get it. But it wasn't... It wasn't um, John Legend and Lala. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Lacey, I think, I think it's time. I have a dig with a wig. Oh, oh let's hear shit. it, Mal. <laughs> I have a dig with a wig. Why do we need wigs in the first place? I have a dig. I have a dig. I have a dig with a wig. Turn the wigs around. And you know that's supposed to be a wig that he's wearing. I have a dig with a wig. I have a crunchy wig. Throw it away. That's a good word, that wig. Baby. <laughs> but it's a wig. This has been Kremlin's dig at a wig. This wig, mama. So, I don't think that the wigs are bad because they're using them as disguises. Because we don't know that they're disguises until they tell us. Right? Am I right? Yes. Yes. Now, I caught on quickly because I was like, that's Christian Bale in makeup. But let's just say I hadn't. I would be like, why is this man with a top hat wearing a really bad beard and wig combo? <laughs> and that just goes back to the same dig that I have with all of these fucking high budget movies. Christopher Nolan. You don't start getting your fucking actors some real good wigs. I'm I'm gonna lose my shit. The, so all of them were bad, including the mustaches. This is the first my my first time interrupting a day with a wig. This feels blasphemous, but like the record scratch for Sean, please. <laughs> <laughs> not that it's the point that they're bad, but they're not supposed to be good, right? So that I guess that is my question is, but we don't know that they're not supposed to be good until the end. I can understand. So I can understand the one the one time I would I would side with you when it, when it comes to these two arch nemeses not recognizing each other. Right. There were some times where I was like, how did you not know? <laughs> yeah, like when Hugh pulls up and he does the gun. Mm hmm. The one, the one for me was the when he does the sm smashes the lady's fingers the in the bird cage, which is crazy. Which is nuts. That's fucking nuts. That's that's literally I that, didn't yeah, even that think it was a disguise. With. I was just like, oh, a couple months have, and he now has a stash and like longer hair, and then he pops off the wig, and I'm like, huh? It's just not good. And maybe in 2006 I, it was better, but now but I, looking. What, but these aren't supposed to be. A, these are supposed to be cheap wigs, wigs that magicians buy to be able to sit in the crowd. I'm coming to the prestigious defense. Ooh. I think oh, that 
<laughs> look, look at God. Look um, at God. <laughs> I think that this is part of the running theme of the movie, which is you're too busy looking at this and you don't really notice this. We're too busy looking of... at the bad wig? No, like the amount of times that the wigs are bad, it's when Hugh or Christian are hiding in the audience. Yeah. And the opposing magician is busy doing a magic trick. And right. so he's just like, you come on stage. And by the time he notices how bad the disguise is, because they even rip it off to reveal mm-hmm. themselves. And he's like, it's me. Fingers <laughs> or it's me gun. So right. I don't, I don't think they're necessarily meant to pull off that they're a real person. Even at the end, he's like, I'm part of the show. And he pulls off of his mustache and beard. So he's like, of course this looks fake because I'm part of the trick. I mm-hmm. think that is kind of the point of it. So much so that I, I, <laughs> I don't. I'm not trying to sound like super smart, but I never thought that the twin thing was a twist because I was like, why does Christian Bale keep showing up in like a fat suit? Like it looked so. That's what. That's what I mean. Weird. You don't, see his, you don't see his face until like three fourths the way through the movie. Fallon is always from the back. That also draws attention to it. But then by the time you do see him, you're like, oh, that's Christian Bale. Like, what's happening? I think I first see him, you first see him when he's like at the jail and normal Christian Bale is like, (laughs) oh, they're going to take her away. And then they pan up to his eyes and he's, he just like nods. I'm like, oh. It's like, like, there's still like a good hour left. Yeah. Cause that's when you first see him. mm -hmm. And so I'm like, oh, that's Christian Bale. But again, it's so bad, like the makeup, and this guy's living in this this suit that's, for most of the that's time. That's the one that I agree on. All the shows, I think that's purposeful. So it's, it's Fallon you have an issue with. The Fallon, I think, is is not great. I only say this because I watched it yesterday, and then I finished a rewatch with Mel right now, and I'm just like, Ugh. it's like starting the show. But, but I also think we're shown that because we're told throughout the whole thing he has a double so for all we know this is his double in disguise the same way that they've made angier's double disguise himself when he's out in public yeah i think that's what it is i think i think it's it's hard to talk about this after knowing for sure like knowing the end result but i think the original intention and i think that's how i took it is that like it's like Borden is Borden and Borden is having an affair with his wife. And that's Borden is doing both of those things. The fact that Fallon is a twin of Borden and they're switching all the time. That's, I think the prestige of Christian Bale's arc. I think that the fact that he has a twin or that he's a double that looks exactly like him that dresses up as Fallon. I think that's kind of like, yeah, if you figure that out, that's fine. It's the fact that they are identical twins and they are basically living the sharing same life. Sharing a life. They're sharing a life, which is nuts. Convoluted. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Nuts. Well, <laughs> if you can't understand it, that's on you. <laughs> I can understand it. Show me that movie and that movie alone, baby. Because that's fucking juicy. That's crazy. Yeah, but it's, yeah. it's too little too late. Not too little too late. Not too little too late. But it's, I don't know. I feel robbed. I feel robbed. 
interesting because I feel fulfilled. <laughs> well, I'm so happy for you. I, you being Christopher Nolan Stan, <laughs> twist of the century. For these two the movies, century, these two movies. What if at the end of this episode, it turns out Lacey admits that she hates this movie and that it's been this has been the magic trick all along. What if at the end of this episode, I reveal I am actually an identical twin sharing my life with my twin, and I get two babes. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. Good answer. Um, anything else? Anything else, my friends? Michael Caine rules. Michael He's Caine awesome. does rule. Andy Serkis rules. No one gives a mono. What? You we, like we were going to wrap Caine? it up for Sean. You didn't like Michael Caine in this? Hmm. Michael Caine was good. Michael Caine was Caining. He was Caining. Like, what Call the him ones? a chicken because he was raising canes. He's good. <laughs> Uh, ignoring that, I do want to. I want to give props. In my opinion, the moment when you see Hugh Jackman in disguise for the first time at the a bullet catch, the bullet catch scene, I think Hugh Jackman's moment, like his, even through this purposefully shitty disguise, his face, his. I think his line of what knot did you tie? I think that's probably the best acting. That scene specifically is the best acting I've seen Hugh do. That dude, that scene is, I, I think he's phenomenal in that scene. I think. Aww. Who wants can, to play again? Okay, can we, can we agree that <laughs> he does it. the same, the same in every Nolan movie? In, no, in every Nolan movie, it's about the same. It's the wise uh, mentor. Yeah. So and not so not bad. Shut up, Rashawn. Taking it back. He's not, not bad. bad. He's just the same. Just in every that, Nolan movie, guy. he he has the same. But man, I'm a sucker for it. I miss congeniality. He's also that guy. But that's fine. We like him. We uh, most actors at this point have like a wheelhouse. They have a a go to performance or character that they are good at doing and deliver and tell the story. And this is one of Michael Caine's. I'm not mad at okay. seeing it. What if what if he was Angier's? That's kind of cool. You're gonna Lacey. have Michael Caine falling through the floor. <laughs> <laughs> That's part goodness. of it. That's part of it. Like he can't do this. He can't do this anymore. He's too old for this shit. That's and then this young. Movie. That's just a. This... You just want a different movie, Rashawn. You just don't want no, Hugh Jackman in this because you weirdly don't like him in this movie. What I'm we... going to IDYP. What if we trade? What if we trade? What if? Rebecca Hall is Angier. Let's I see two that. women do yeah. it. Yeah, that. that's what I was thinking. No, no, the, no I like but the not, man versus not woman because they'll be dead by Act One. Damn. <laughs> can, okay. Lacey? Okay. Last call. Because I'm gonna say it again, and then everybody's gonna start talking. Namely, my husband. I'm I'm going to the cast list, making sure I didn't forget anybody. Okay, I'll wait because you're gonna cut me off. I'm going to keep the silence in that episode. <laughs> Who wants to play a game? Me. I want to play a game. All right, everyone. Gird your loins. Riddle me this. They don't matter if you win by an inch or a mile. guessing game. Come on, board. Board, play with me. Riddle me that. All right. So in The Prestige, we are constantly confronted with the idea of a double or these two people 
playing the same role in a magic show. These two people playing the same role in a life. So my game today is called I'm Seeing Double. Oh my God. <laughs> Why are you an old lady falling? She hit her head once and it's still falling. So she's seeing <laughs> the life alert commercial. Yeah. <laughs> so for this game, I'm going to tell you an actor that was originally cast in a certain role in a certain movie. You are then going to have to tell me the actor that actually was in the movie, their character name, and what movie I am talking about. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Nicole Kidman almost played the role of an American actress in a movie about her love affair with a British travel bookshop owner. Rashawn. Who is Julia Roberts? Uh, Notting Hill. Correct. And I do not remember the, her actress name. Joshua. It's Erica. No. I really thought you were going to have it for Gail. Sorry, Gail. Anna Scott. <laughs> Anna Scott and Notting Hill. That's like the most movie about an actress, actress's name I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anna Scott. <laughs> Next up, Claire Danes almost played the role of this betrothed debutante in a movie about a fateful voyage at sea. Josh. Titanic? That is correct. Kate Winslet? Yes. Rose, baby. Can you give me a last name? Rose. Does it start with a W? Sort of. Winthrop. <laughs> I'm going to give it to you. <laughs> Do it, be cater. What? Do yeah. it, be cater. Justin Timberlake almost played the role of this famed queer musical icon in a movie about the singer's life. No way. Rashawn. No. No. Oh. No way. Two. One. Mella. Oh, Elton John. Rashawn! <laughs> Fucking asshole. Is Rashawn! Rocketman. Taryn Egerton. Sorry, I'll take it. I don't care. I'm giving it to Mel. <laughs> All of it? <laughs> I'm giving her one at least. Thanks. Just give her one bonus point, yeah. I'll give you two. We get on the even though I board. even though I will say I raised my hand before Mel after Rashawn. Okay. Let me have one. Calm. That's true though. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> That's crazy, right? That would have that sucked. <laughs> That's such a good underrated movie. I loved it. Taryn's yeah, so too. good. She was very good. Okay, next up. George Clooney almost played the role of this questionable heartthrob in a movie about the past, lost love, and 365 letters. Josh. That's... What's it called? Wait, what's it called? What? What's it called? Um, fuck. It's I know the movie. I I can see it from where I sit on the computer when you watch it. Oh TikTok, shit! TikTok. Oh, is it about time? Nope. No, I know. Fuck. What's it called? Roshan. Is it atonement? No. 
I can't think of a fucking movie. I can see the poster. Yes, you can. You guys are going to be so mad. The can biggest... I guess who's in it? Yeah. Is it Sandra Bullock and Keanu Reeves? That's speed, bitch. Uh, that is speed, but that's not what I'm talking about. That, that's the lake house. Yes, that one. Focus oh. on the oh. questionable heartthrob. Oh. Oh. Why is he questionable? Um, he was question questionable on this podcast. <laughs> Josh. No, it's at the holiday. No. <laughs> Rashawn. Jack Black. It's not the Notebook, is it? It's the Notebook. What? <laughs> um, Ryan Gosling. Noah. I don't know his last name. Yeah, Calhoun. No, Calhoun. There's no way I would have ever guessed that because. George Clooney George is Noah. Clooney? That had to yeah. have been like when the when the movie was a first, first option. Right. option. It was he and one and an actor who were optioned to play. It was George Clooney and I cannot remember the older actor's name who was supposed to play older Noah. And George backed out because he thought the other guy was the older guy was too handsome and he didn't think he could like live up to that charm. Was it Paul Newman? <laughs> no, because Paul was the one. Was it Paul Newman? Paul was not, maybe I don't remember. I'm sorry. I'm like 1990s, yeah. Like ER was fresh out of ER. Out of sight. <laughs> <laughs> like you oh can God. see it though, right? Yeah, I can see it. I'd see it. A different, a different version. I a different. Yeah. I didn't think Gosling was that questionable on this podcast. Are you joking? For being a heartthrob. Well, I just mean you hated oh. him in it. I didn't hate him. I hated Noah. I want that to be clear. Okay, Lacey, what's the Josh. next question? No, I Thank think you, you did ask us, like, <laughs> for Ryan Gosling, you would do all this? Maybe yeah, just... well, that was in comparison to James made out of clay Marsden. Next so up. So what Lacey said mm. was okay. Kate wins. Thank you, Rashawn. Kate Winslet turned down this Oscar-winning role in a movie about the creation of two star-crossed lovers. Josh, you're too fast on the draw, man. Shakespeare in it all. Mm-hmm. Gwyneth? Both names, please, Josh. Paltrow. Ah, you're being so annoying. And, um... Three. Baby baby Juliet. No, it's fucking... Two. What's her name from baby the other Shakespeare Juliet. project? Rosalind? No. Roshan. Violet. No. Viola. <laughs> there you go. I knew it was from another Shakespeare play. I can't remember which one. Russell Crowe turned down the starring role in this epic trilogy about friendship, magic, and good versus evil. Roshan. Lord of the Rings. That is correct. Aragon. That's correct. Viggo Mortensen. That is correct. And then it also went to, what, Stuart Townsend, right? He got fired. Yeah, he got fired on, like, a, during filming. That's so. so sad. He married a babe, though, so he's fine. What's up? Why do you I, always have to interrupt me? That, so, I think, I think what's happening is, on my end, <laughs> we started speaking at the same time. Because there's a Zoom delay, I'm interrupting you. <laughs> but you understand what I mean, Lacey? The whole interrupting thing, I think... 
Yes, um, but what should be like a 10-minute game is like a 20-minute game now because mm-hmm. <laughs> we keep going. Fine. Peek behind the curtain is my idea. Okay, it is your idea. <laughs> That's why I'm taking ownership You, you can't it. get let her get through your idea. <laughs> Go, Lace. I don't even want to play anymore. I do. I do. I'm winning. Come on. <laughs> God damn. Uh, Charlize Theron almost played this murderous vixen in a movie about inmates at a prison for women. Rashawn. Chicago? Mm-hmm. What? Velma Kelly. No. Oh, Zellweger. Stop talking! If you get it wrong, stop talking! <laughs> I'm not calling on you, Mella. What? Renee Zellweger in Ro- yes. as Roxy Hart. Yes. That seems pretty fucked up. I'm a little mad at you. You can take the backseat on one question. I was playing that the right way. (laughs) Sandra Bullock almost played this physically demanding role in a movie about a boxer and the price of the sport. Josh. Million Dollar Baby. Mm Mm-hmm. Hilary Swank. Yep. Baby. <laughs> no, I thought the same thing. I had to I look it up. It's like thing. Baby Driver. Does anybody know it? Maggie Fitzgerald. She like really wanted to get it made, but she just couldn't do it. But she's like feels good about it. She's like that's how things work out. They work out the way they're supposed to be. John Travolta turned down the title role in this movie about a man, his love, and a box of chocolates. Carmella. Ah! Forrest Gump. Yeah. And Forrest Gump. Yeah. Dumb Hanks. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I have, This is my last one. That's, everybody go for it. I'm going to make everything worth two points so it's anybody's game. Christina Applegate almost played the role of this iconic blonde in a movie about fashion and upholding the law. You didn't wait till I was finished. I didn't know we had to. <laughs> Nobody ever has. Rashawn. Oh, what? That is correct. Legally Blonde. Yes. Reese Witherspoon. Yeah. Wait, who, who'd you say? Christina Applegate. It would have been so different. It would have been so different. And Christina has said like that is Reese's role. One hundred percent. Well, congratulations, Rashawn. You won. I'm seeing double. Thank you, <laughs> Sean. Thank you so much for requesting this episode, for listening, for reaching out. We really appreciate you. Thank you for waiting so long for us to record it. We love you. And you got like a two and a half. For two and a half. Like, it wasn't a bad one. It wasn't, it wasn't a bad one. <laughs> I'll try, Sean. I'm so sorry. Because it feels like it. <laughs> Wrapping things up, I think we can all agree that Nolan's gonna Nolan, and it mm. either works for you or it doesn't. Um, I think we can all agree that Christian Bale and Rebecca Hall are otherworldly talented and really shine in this movie. And I think we can all agree 
that Sean is a great listener. Yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Sean, thanks for sticking with us. We end each episode with a quick round of six degrees of separation connecting an actor from this week's movie to an actor from next week's movie. So, who can find the fastest connection between Andy Serkis and Sam Rockwell? What? I think I might have it, but you have to fact check me. What? <laughs> okay. Okay. Andy Serkis was in 13 Going on 30 with Jennifer. What's her last name? Garner, who was in Juno with Elliot Page, who was in Whip It with Drew Barrymore. Is she in it or did she just direct yeah. it? She's in it. Did I get there? No. Not there yet. Sam Rockwell. Oh, yeah. Who's in uh, Charlie's Angels with Sam Rockwell. Rockwell. Damn. Yes, Melka. That was fast that as shit. That was really fast. Congratulations. I blacked out in the middle of it, but we got there. <laughs> that happens to me, too. There is no... You don't even need to edit that one, Rashawn. That was fast, Mella. Well... That's it for this week's episode of When Cinephiles Attack. As always, we'd very much appreciate if you took a moment and liked, subscribed, and rated us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Good Pods. You can find this and all of our episodes on Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at CinephileAttack. And if you have a suggestion for a listener request episode like this one, or if you just want to show us some love, email us at whencinephilesattack at gmail.com. From Lacey, Mella, Josh, and Rashawn. Thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next week. See ya.